This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You're tuned in to the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast on cleveland.com. And this is the 2020 season preview featuring Doug Lamarice, Terry Pluto, and our own Paul Hoynes, Tribe Beat Writer. I'm Joe Noga. And here we go, guys. The, the 2020 season is upon us. Uh, tonight, the Yankees and Nationals will kick things off. First game of the year, first real baseball that we've had. And how excited is everybody to get going and actually see real baseball played for the first time this season? Oh, Joe, I'm excited. Uh, I guess, well, how many false starts have we had? <laughs> this is like uh, watching somebody, uh, these guys try to run the 100-meter uh, dash in the Olympics. <laughs> but uh, um, it, it's good. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm still wondering if they'll get through the season. But uh, uh, at least, hopefully, it beats uh, watching inter-squad games. I think oh, I'm more you know, one. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Doug. Joe, you might have to call on us at times here. We're gonna, I, but I, I, I'm more curious than anything. I mean, it's 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 so weird that we've gone this long, and you know, there are a lot of great baseball fans out there who are super excited. But you know, we've all lived our summers without baseball up until this point. It's been a long summer, but I'm just fascinated how it's all going to work. So I want to see the players, but I want to see the logistics and I want to see how functional this is, and I want to see what the what the testing numbers for all the teams turn out to be. I mean, that's not. That's not fun, but as you try to imagine what the NBA bubble is going to be like and what NFL or college football may or may not be, I'm just fascinated to see how baseball tries to pull this off. So, Terry, Doug wants to see, you know, how the testing works, how, how this is all going to work. Are you interested to see how the Indians play? Yeah, I am. And the other thing, one way to find out if you're going to finish something is to start it. And you, at some point, no matter where you are, uh, I don't care if you're writing a story or you're making a sales pitch or whatnot. Uh, it's a, it's an old Dan Gilbert line. You got to take the roast, roast out of the oven. You just can't wait for perfection. You know, you do the best you can. And that's what I'm glad they're starting. And then actually the other sports and things can learn about it. But I've hit this theme a couple times. I have a lot of very close friends who work in grocery stores or work at Walmart and that, and they've worked through this whole thing. And yes, there have been a few, you know, cases there of people getting it. Uh, but in terms of what, and they didn't exactly have Cleveland Clinic behind them, you know, and this is a thing, a sport that where social distance is built in and that. I like their odds a lot better than the people working retail 
I really do in terms of staying healthy. Now, that's my opinion. And now in terms of the baseball, the door is wide open for them. There's nothing else on. I granted, I get up in the morning, I watch a couple of the uh, LG twins or whatever while I'm kind of getting dressed. Mm-hmm. KBO. By the way, they never say the KBO. It's KBO. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. when you know you've worn that, you're ready for the MLB. So going into this, do we think that Major League Baseball will complete a 60-game schedule and playoffs? Do you think the coronavirus will allow that to happen? The players have all expressed and, and, and the managers have, have expressed sort of this feeling that the safest place they, they feel is at the ballpark. If, if the teams are taking care of all the protocols and everything, the, they, they feel comfortable at the park. It's outside the park. It's outside that bubble where they need to uh, sort of in, in, involve this code of conduct ideal. Uh, Hoinsey, do you, do you think we get through 60 games and, uh, and a playoff schedule? Well, if Toronto finds a place to play, yeah, maybe they, they get uh, – uh, Officially, get it's going to be Pittsburgh. We, we just it's found out. Pittsburgh? We just found out it's going to be Pittsburgh. Okay, good. Uh, but, um, yeah, I think they do. I, I really do. I mean, I think there's going to be some problems. Uh, you know, obviously we've seen guys, you know, come down with the virus. But uh, like, like you were saying, Joe, uh, the safest place right now for the players is – is the ballparks, the protocols they have to go, go through. The question is, uh, what happens at, at, when they leave the ballpark? And uh, what, you know, can they, um, you know, follow their different codes of conduct? Can they, you know, social distance? Can, uh, you know, just how serious are they about, you know, playing baseball? And uh, it's 60 games, what, 60 games in 66 days, something like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll see about it. But I, I really have, I have, pretty good feel that uh, they'll get through the season. And, and Doug, to your point about the testing, you know, after the first couple of rounds of maintenance testing here, the numbers have looked pretty good. There, there have only been a few uh, handful of players that, that have tested positive after the maintenance testing. So that's a promising sign. My guess is that we're going to have Rona outs, just like you have rain outs sometimes. And that when you're trying to squeeze 60 games in, my guess, I bet, I don't think everybody's going to play 60. And I think Major League Baseball is going to have to accept the idea that, you know, you're going to have to try to figure out maybe who's going to make the postseason when one team plays 57 games and one team plays 55 and one team plays 59. And that might not be ideal. But if you end up having to delay a game, I mean, I mean, you're going to squeeze in double headers. And I mean, they're so jammed already. So, you know, I think there's – why wouldn't we be optimistic? We can all be cautiously optimistic and keep our fingers crossed. But I don't know that they're going to go everybody getting in 60 games. I, and as far as why, – why can't we just move all the American – all the, the U.S. teams to Canada? Wouldn't that make more sense than having the Blue Jays come to Pittsburgh? Just have, have the Indians play in Alberta and have the Dodgers well, play in Vancouver. Canada's it, where it's safe. It would certainly improve uh, the president's uh, testing numbers, wouldn't it? Uh, it's, uh, they, they wouldn't the let White us across the border. They wouldn't That's let the, the MLB teams across the border. And and they Thanks, won't let Trudeau. and they won't let the Indians across the border, anyways. But that's a whole other another topic to talk about. Yellowknife uh, ter- has a very nice ballpark, Joe. Where's that? Yellowknife. It's way in the Northwest Territories. Well, Terry, that, I, I just wanted to, to Doug's point uh, about you know maybe some teams play fewer games. Is this season going to be legit? Is this is so? You know what? Season, I'm like so. What? Legit. Play as many as you can. See what you come up with. Um, Quincy and I are old enough. We were, 
the 81 season, remember that mess? They stopped in the middle, they restarted, all that stuff. Um, I forgot he won the World Series that year. So, um, but again, right now, just if you get on the field, get them playing, the guys stay relatively safe. I do think another issue they don't talk about, just uh, to go to Doug and, and, and Paul's point, when you're playing 60 games in 66 days, it is a schedule. You're, what, they open with 17 in a row, correct? Mm-hmm. Correct. What are the odds of sore hamstrings, sore elbows, sore backs, all kinds of just the regular baseball injuries jammed in here? I think you're going to see a bunch of those. Well, and you also see, I think, their opponent, their main competition, the Twins, have a 20-game or a 19-game stretch in there somewhere. The, the most allowed under the collective bargaining agreement, they have a, a stretch of like 20 straight games. All right, uh, let's, let's roll up our sleeves. Let's get into the real reason why we're here, and it's to talk about the Indians. Uh, after Francisco Lindor, who's the, the player that Terry Francona can least afford to be without for a, a period of time? Uh, you know, Francisco Lindor is – he's dropped to the third hole this year. He's the, the, the engine that makes this team go. But beyond Frankie, who's that guy that the Indians can't be without? We'll start with Terry. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on just to be a bit contrary or whatever. Roberto Perez, because uh, Leon, the backup catcher, I think he'll be lucky to forget his weight. If he hit half his weight, I think that would be good. And secondly, you know, they talked about last year how Perez was able to help those younger starters that kept coming up to get through the games. Uh, if you view that the pitching and the starting pitching is critical to what they're going to do, and you look at the age of the, most of the starting pitchers, uh, a catcher who has the lowest ERA, I just saw this because I was working on a long feature on Perez for, for Friday, the best ERA among catchers in the American League since 2015 is Perez. So um, that's my pick. Doug, who you got? How many starts can Shane Bieber make in a 60-game <laughs> season? 12, 11 or 12, right? I mean, if you can go the way – I mean – what Shane Bieber is right now, can you go 10 and two in his 12 starts or something? I mean, could he, and that's like, that's like getting you practically a third of the way to the playoffs. So they always seem to have extra pitching. And then we've all seen in the past how they go from having too much pitching to all of a sudden, Oh my gosh, they don't have enough pitching. So with what this guy could mean in a shortened schedule um, against bats that are rusty and that kind of thing, he might come out and dominate. And if, it's one of those things again. Okay, so say Terry's point is a great one. Say he has a regular old pitcher's arm injury. I mean, if he misses four starts out of the 12, that's a third of his season. All of a sudden, that's devastating. So I, I want Shane Bieber out there 11 or 12 times. Poinsy, who you got? Yeah, I'm going with uh, Brad Hand, closer. A um, little, uh, little concerned about Hand. I, you know, he had the tired arm at the end of last season, and the – kind of been spotty a little bit uh you know he's okay in spring training one spring training two uh so so I, that, that's a guy that i think is really you know you need your closer you need a guy that's going to save games i mean i know he's francona is going to have a 10-man bullpen so there's probably a backup closer in there <laughs> but uh hand is a guy that's done it and um if he if he gets hurt or if he struggles I think uh, that that's really going to affect the whole team. Uh, I agree with, uh, you know, the pitching side of things as, as being the, uh, the sort of the next most important behind Frankie. But uh, 
Carlos Santana is is the guy that I think needs to repeat his performance from last year. The consistency that he brought at at in the middle of the order right there, and he hit from the beginning of the season all the way through to the end, and also you know just defensively, who are they going to have on the roster to play first base if if they're without for uh, Santana for any period of time? I I think Santana's probably the the glue kind of bat that holds that that middle of the order together for the Indians this year and and without him they're they're going to be in trouble but go he was my runner up yeah there you go there you go right along list. those lines I, I I tend to agree with the Roberto Perez pick though I mean what he did defensively last year can't be discounted all right moving forward uh let's talk about the different groups on the team uh the the starting infield seems to be a group that Francona has kept together throughout this whole uh, spring training uh, 2.0. Uh, they've they've played pretty much every inter squad game together on the same side, and 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 he's really worked them out and kept them as a group together uh, as well. That the starting rotation, obviously a strength of this team for a long time. Uh, the the bullpen, a big question mark. The outfield, you know, a, a, a wide group of uh, of varying experiences and and health concerns and whatnot. Uh, which unit, individual unit between the starting rotation, starting infield, bullpen, outfield, will have the biggest say in how the Indians succeed or fail this year? Uh, start with Toynsey. Oh, that's a that's a good question. Uh, I I would have to go with uh, the infield because I think that's going to drive the offense. Uh, you've got to score runs to win, and uh, you know I think uh, you've got four switch hitters there. They're all hitting at the top of the order. Obviously, to me, that doesn't sound like Frank Kona. I mean, I've watched him for seven years. He likes to balance the lineup. Uh, he likes to spread those switch hitters out. I think this is an analytical move by the front office. I think they, they, that to put, their, to put those four guys at the top of the lineup, they went from third to seventh in runs scored last year in the American League. I think this is, this is they think this is their biggest, this is how they get the biggest bang for their buck. And if it doesn't work, then you got to, you know, kind of reshuffle the, the deck. So I think that's, that's the most important part of the, the, the most important unit to me. What do you think, Doug? I agree. It, it, haven't we seen Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez, they have months where you can't get them out. And then usually they have a month where they slump, right? I mean, that's baseball. That happens mm -hmm. to a lot of guys. But to me, if Ramirez and Lindor – are both hot for two months and the season's only two months long. I don't know if you need anything else. I don't even know. You might, you can let the other seven guys in the lineup strike out all the time. The, I, I've you sort of been waiting for it for years here in the playoffs and late in the season. What if Lindor and Ramirez are both on fire simultaneously and this little 60 game window feels like maybe the perfect time to me. And then on the other hand, it's like, we know they both can hit, but we've seen them, you know, they have a month where their OPS is 700 and they have a month where their OPS is over a thousand. So right. if they, if one of them gets cold for a month, that's half the season, that's really going to hurt. So I just am, I'm so eager to see if we can just watch these guys, those two guys come out of the gate and maintain it. And then, I mean, they'll be as dangerous at the top of the lineup as any two guys in, in the game. Terry. Well, Doug, they're great because you're right. They're the energy too, even without the ballpark that they 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 provide. And 
And I'm, you know, I'm going to go, and I think Santana will be real consistent there with them. But the thing that the part of the team that just scares me, and I think it torpedoed the whole season. All right, guys, what is it? What do you think? It's got to be the bullpen. Bullpen. Right? Bullpen, right. And so, given Francona's, you know, love of, I know he's still the, complaining about the three pitcher thing or three batter thing for relievers, but he loves the bullpen. And secondly, with all these games piled up on top of each other, uh, you're, you're going to need the bullpen. And, you know, points that you mentioned, Brad Hand, I, I watched him the other night. It was like, eh, you know, I'm not sure what that was. And then, you know, Karen check is, is either great or, or awful. Uh, I don't know about the rest of those guys. I mean, Whit Whitgren seems pretty decent. I don't, how does Perez fit in with this new rule? Um, and then after that, Lord knows. So the bullpen to me, it may not make the season, but boy, it could sink it. Uh, can, I, can I ask a question here? And Joe, I don't mean to step on something. Sure. Maybe you're going to get to this. I've been wondering about this. In a normal season, say the Indians were in a tight race to make the playoffs in the last week, five or six games, and then say they would get to the World Series and you end up playing three more series, you might end up playing sort of like 25 do-or-die games. And we know sometimes in do-or-die games, you do whatever you got to do. You're putting starters in the bullpen. You're having guys throw, uh, you know, face a batter or two on their, their mound day in the bullpen. I'm not saying like make Carlos Carrasco the closer or anything, but I'm just wondering – in a 60-game season, if you have bullpen issues that crop up early, could you get – could Tito get super creative almost like you would if you were in the playoffs and you were saying, well, we're not – you know, we're going to throw whatever we have at it and we'll, we'll figure out tomorrow, tomorrow. Would that be too extreme? I'm not saying from out of the gate, but if your rotation's good, and I know we're already moving rotation, you know, please – I don't know. I just – I didn't know if this might be a time for creativity in the bullpen if they need it. I, I'm with you, Doug, by the way, because if you start – I'm sorry, Joe, but if you, cause if you start three and seven and your bullpen's a problem and you think maybe Carrasco is the one that, uh, one, has been relieved before, and two, maybe he doesn't quite have the endurance to go five or six innings. I mean, what do you guys think? But he would be – maybe that would be the nominee of uh, who could come to the rescue for the bullpen. Right. That was – you know, back before – coronavirus hit I originally if they were going to have six guys coming out uh, of, of spring training from Arizona my original thought was to put Carrasco in the bullpen early in the season to help there so that you didn't have to maybe lose a, an Adam Plutko or, or you know whoever to, to sort of extend the, the games that way if, if they wanted to piggyback with the younger guys I, I think Carrasco is the candidate for moving into the bullpen if that's the case that they've already got Plucko there but uh, I think Tito's going to stay with sort of a try to be as normal as possible early try to keep guys on a five-day rotation early uh, and then if that's not working out you might see a, a quicker hook what do you think Poinsett? Yeah you know uh, Carrasco obviously has most the, uh, more experience in the bullpen than any of the starters uh, Plutko has made only five, six, seven relief appearances in his career. So I think you could, you can make that switch. You know, if you had to put Plutko back into rotation, he's stretched out so to where he could do that. And you could put Carrasco in and, you know, he could give you maybe like the eighth inning guy or a setup guy along with uh, a Whitgren it, it, and, you know, would keep him stronger. Uh, right now he's what he pitched four innings, um, in his last, uh, you know, start before the season, 
you know, that's not necessarily really stretched out. So, uh, yeah, I think that that would be something to keep an eye on. That's I mean, also if he could do what Andrew Miller did, right? I mean, when Andrew Andrew Miller was one of the five most important guys on the team when he was here, when he was going good. I mean, if Carrasco could simulate that matchups in the seventh, go five batters. I don't know. I, I said, I'm not saying put Carrasco in the bullpen, but now I want to put Carrasco in the bullpen. You guys, I, I, it makes not, and again, not right away, but Terry, you're right. Three and seven. You yeah. can't wait. You can't yeah. wait. Cause if you dig a hole, you'll never get out of it. I mean, from a stuff position too, you look at Pleco coming in the middle. I, you know, he doesn't particularly scare anybody uh, coming out of the bullpen. Whereas if he's starting, you know, he's kind of like to me, this, this team's Josh Tomlin. Uh, you know, he could throw a bunch of strikes. He might give up a bunch of homers or he might not, but that doesn't exactly qualify as a reliever, but it might help you as that fifth starter. Right. And Plicko's going to come in and try and get guys out with high fastballs. And <laughs> what, what we know about, about 91 mile an hour, high fastballs. <laughs> yeah. And, and we know that high fastballs can tend to go a long way. If you, if you're not uh, really accurate and uh, if you miss with one or two of them. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. a, a big a big question is, you know, is is it you know Francona is so loyal to these guys. Yeah. You know, we saw him stick with Ramirez for so long last year through that slump, and you know, I don't know. He finally came out of it, but I don't know how many managers that would have stayed with the guy <laughs> that long. Now, if somebody is struggling for ten games, twelve games, fifteen games, you got to pull the string. You got to change your philosophy, I think, or or the season or the season's gone. So. You know, it's really going to be a test for him, and especially when you don't have Brad Mills there as his bench coach, his confidant. It's going to be it's going to be really a, a challenge for him, I think, this year. All right. Reminds you to your point too. What do you think, Joe? Because this is you guys' area. I wonder what the, all the analytics stuff shows about these shorter seasons and everything. And I'm sure they're rolling out that stuff for Tito to look at. I have no clue what it would show, but I'm sure there's some kind of stuff they've done. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, what what were they sixty games into the last season? I mean, they were just maybe two games. Thirty. Ago. Yeah. What was it? I think it was thirty and thirty. Yeah, they were just right five. Yeah. So uh, you know, what is what does that get you in a sixty game season? If it if it's the same thing, are are you are you in the playoffs? Are you are you a wild card? I, I don't know. It's, it's, I mean, it's, but 30, 35, 36 wins gets you close to the six hundred mark. Uh, you know winning percentage wise that's that's uh close to a um you know a, a playoff spot in in most seasons so uh you know just wanted to to mention here uh, a reminder that the wayside furniture's best seats in the house giveaway uh the winner will be announced on cleveland indians on cleveland.com facebook page uh coming up on friday so if you're you're tuning in to, to find out the winner there uh, Friday on the Cleveland Indians on Cleveland.com Facebook page. Look there for the winner uh, of the best seats in the house giveaway. Some some nice furniture from Wayside as a sponsor of our uh, season preview package. Uh, fellas, uh, let's talk about the competition the Indians will face in this um, this upcoming 60-game sort of sprint to the end. Uh, besides the Twins, which Indians opponent, uh, it could be AL or NL team, uh, is going to give them the most trouble in, in 2020? Who uh, who do you think is going to be not just their biggest competition in winning a division, but just is going to play them tough? Uh, Terry, who do you think? I'm picking the Cardinals just because I know they were pretty good last year. I don't know them that well. But the rest of the uh, Central, I know the White Sox improved their roster quite a bit. But 
you know, the Cardinals are kind of a little like the Indians. They're always pretty good or really good. And I just think that that will be a problem. Fortunately, they have the DH, by the way, for all these games. So that that's a big help in it, as opposed to when they play these National League teams in the past. Doug, what do you think? Uh, I think the White Sox are interesting, right? I mean, they're so young. They're so raw. And it almost feels like one of those teams that if you were trying to expect them to do anything for 162 games, you thought, well, there's, there's, there's too many new faces there and new pieces. They're not going to sustain it. But, man, what if, what if a couple of really young, talented guys just come up and just rake? early on so I don't know um you know they're coming more in the future I'm just very curious we played this game with the Indians every year it's like well you, you look at them and you think okay well who's coming and when are they coming and I, I'm not predicting it but I'm curious to see if the White Sox maybe get here faster than than people think yeah we saw Luis Robert uh, hit a grand slam uh, the other night in an exhibition game and that sort of should have sent chills down the spine of every Indians fan watching uh, Hoinsey, who you got as the the team that's going to play the Indians the toughest in 2020. Yeah, I think just, I think it's the White Sox. I, I agree with Doug. You know, they got them 10 games. You know, the other, in the NL Central, you're, you're playing them. I think the most games they play against an NL Central team is six against Pittsburgh. So, you know, that, I think that works in their favor. Obviously, the Pirates are rebuilding. Uh, but the, the, the White Sox are very, very interesting. Great lineup. Moncada, I mean, uh, is, is a great third baseman that like you said Joe Luis Roberts is coming up he's going to play center field they made a bit a lot of additions with uh you know Encarnacion Dallas Keuchel uh you know uh that Luis Giolito uh, uh is you know very very good uh you know he had a great year last year in the rotation um you know and uh, Tim Anderson was a you know batting champ last year They've got uh, Abreu, the RBI leader from uh, last year. He's back. It's a loaded team. But I think the one thing that's going to hurt them is they really haven't had a whole lot of time together. They've got young guys. They brought in a bunch of old guys. I think, you know, they haven't had that time to mesh. And I really think that's going to be critical, you know, coming out of the gate. You're going to have to fast, start fast. I think the Indians, you know, have been uh, – I think they're a little better – you know, they, they know each other. They're a little more mature of a team. I think that's going to work in their favor. Uh, my pick for the team that's going to play the Indians the toughest this year uh, is going to be four games against the Reds, all back-to-back. -back. Mm -hmm. And there's a possibility there that the Indians might face Trevor Bauer twice in the same week. Uh, it could happen. And you, you certainly know that Trevor Bauer wants it to happen. And uh, you're going to get the best that Trevor Bauer can throw at you in, in whatever situation he – Maybe he'll he pitch himself. all four, Joe. That's what, what I was going to say. Only two. He wants to. Doug and I were thinking together on this one. What do you mean? <laughs> he wants to pitch a four-man. He wants but, to go out of a four-man rotation, right? Doesn't he want the Reds? <laughs> exactly. The Think about it. Uh, Trevor Bauer has been thinking about a start against the Indians for, uh, as playing for the Reds since uh, he threw that ball over the fence in, in Kansas City. Basically, it's uh, a year, right? Right, pretty much. And yeah, the end of, was it end of July? I'm sorry, end of July. It was. I, I actually looked on my time hop. Uh, I was on the road trip uh, in Toronto, and then they went to KC, and it was the end of that road trip when he he launched that ball over the fence. Um, <laughs> the last and, pitch he threw was an Indian. And and I'll tell you what, Mike Clevenger is ready for it too. Uh, yeah. A Clevenger Bauer matchup would be just a dream, especially in a stadium where you can hear whatever they're saying. 
<laughs> they will talk back and forth to each other. And, and, and Cleveridge is ready for it because we asked him about it, and he said it's gonna, he can't wait because he wants to see who's more mentally tough. And boy, oh boy, you, oh, you start challenging Trevor Bauer on mental toughness, and it it's just opens up a whole world of possibilities. All right, so fellas, I think it's going pretty well here. We're a, this feels sort of like the opening day breakfasts that we're used to. I think the only thing we're missing is uh, Mike McIntyre making fun of everybody's haircut, right? Is that, is that pretty much it? <laughs> pretty much it, yeah. Right. And throwing baseballs to the, uh, <laughs> the fans. <laughs> well, uh, here's, here's hoping that next year we're, we're able to get back to a, a little bit of normalcy and, and have another one of those breakfasts because those are always fun. But, uh, you know, we, we always get some really good questions from the, the fans and the folks in the audience there. Uh, so we're trying to sort of, uh, you know, recreate that here. Uh, got, got a true or false for you guys. True or false, Fran Mil Reyes will become the first Indians hitter to hit to lead the AL in home runs since 1995. That was Albert Bell back in 95. Didn't win the MVP when he led the AL in home runs. Uh, can Fran Mil Reyes in a 60-game season and how many can he hit? Uh, he had, what, 35, 37 before he came over from uh, 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 the Padres last year. Uh, how many home runs can Framil Reyes hit, and will he lead the AL in home runs? Doug, what do you got? How many other American leaguers are getting the coronavirus in this scenario? <laughs> um, no. I'm going to say no. Um, he hit 37 last year, which tied for – 15th in baseball that's both leagues um I, I don't know that he seems is he the kind of hitter who's going to come out locked in or is he is he the kind of guy who might take 20 games to find his swing and hit maybe he'll hit no home runs in the first 20 games and 20 home runs in the last 20 games but I think Mike Trout's going to be hitting home runs the whole time so uh maybe someday in his Indians career not this year I, I refer you to spring training, which is granted a, a very, you know, poor example of how a guy's going to hit during the season, but he was on fire in spring training uh, back in March, and he's he hit about a 460-foot home run to dead center field off Shane Bieber uh, the other night in an inter-squad game, and that's Shane Bieber. That's not, uh, you know, somebody from the Tigers starting rotation, so... Uh, who, which he'll, he will get to face 10 times this year. So uh, I, I think it's a possibility Framo Reyes could be up there, uh, you know, maybe 15 or more home runs in the in a 60-game stretch, but who knows. Hoinsey, uh, uh, what do you got? You know, I, I really liked uh, Reyes in spring training one. He came in, he was in great shape, he had lost weight, he crushed the ball, hit five home runs, you know, in like 10, 12, 13 games. Uh, then he went home to the Dominican and, and didn't face live pitching for about two and a half months. And his swing uh, in, in spring training, too, has not looked the same. I think he's a, a guy, he's, he's a lot, you know, all or nothing kind of hitter. And uh, I just don't see that same, that same contact, that same rate of contact that he had in spring training out in Arizona. So I think it, it might take him a while to get going. So I don't think he leads the league in, in home runs, Joe. Terry, what, what do you think? What's your, your optimism here? I mean, that'd be a long shot to pick. And my concern is, as he mentioned about how he came back, he's not exactly in peak physical condition like he was earlier. 
And what did he have a back or he was crawling into second base or what was all that he had, about? He had a car wreck going into second base. That I yeah. I was there I mean, for I was there for that that inter squad game and saw him. He started his slide between first and second base at about seventy nine feet, and he made, he made it to about eighty four. So, right. And in terms of what I mentioned too about the physical conditioning, I'm going back to that though because this is so different. And he is the kind of guy I think he's got to be very careful so he doesn't end up pull a hamstring or strain a back or something like that. Because, by the way, that, that no, let's just talk about this. Say this guy misses 20 or 25 of the games. That's a huge hole in the lineup. Even if he's struggling, at least he does scare the opposing pitchers. Right. Uh, you do have Domingo Santana who, who might uh, be a poss- possibility to fill in there. Uh, just can I say yeah again? <laughs> All right, what do you guys think? I mean, granted, it's not that it's – I've wondered on that. Yeah, Hoinsie, what do you think of Domingo Santana? I haven't seen a whole lot from him. He hit the grand slam. He, he, he started to pick it up a little bit late late in spring training too. But I haven't seen him drive the ball like I thought he would. Um, didn't do it much in spring training one. I think he's he was a shot in the dark right now. And maybe maybe he's a, he's a DH. Maybe, you know, you can shuttle, be, shuttle DH and – in a corner outfield spot between him and Reyes. But, uh, you know, a questionable guy right now. But, Doug, to your point, Domingo Santana was a guy at the beginning of last year, last year through the first 60 games, he was as hot as any hitter. And the reason why Seattle's offense was leading all of baseball in home runs. Yeah, I traded for him in my fantasy league, and then he tanked. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's a – to, to Hoynes' point, we know this, right? The Indians, you, got, you take a shot on a guy like that, right? And you can't count on him. He's a bonus. You can't count on him. Um, but, you know, when, you're, when this is your payroll situation, it, you, you take a flyer and, and, you know, if you hit 30% of the gut time, 40% of the gut time on guys like that, um, it can pay off. I, I want to make sure we get Joe's answer on Reyes, though, because you made up this question and asked everybody it. It sounds like you want to say on this podcast, yes, yes Fran Mill yes. Reyes will lead the American League in home runs. Yes, I think Fran Mill Reyes will lead the American League in home runs. I think Aaron Judge will get hurt. I think John Carlos Stanton won't have the, the season they expect him to. I think Fran Mill like Reyes Trout will retire. Mike Trout will just say, that's it. I've got enough money. Hey, I want to be hey, healthy. Mike Trout I'm having is, a baby. Mike Trout can still step away. He could still do that. He's out there wearing masks on the base paths. He's, he's still concerned about this, legitimately so. I, yeah. What do I got to lose? This is, <laughs> this is the season of let's just throw it out there. Uh, I have a question for you, Joe. Yes, Does sir. Domingo Santana make more errors in the outfield or hit more home runs? I don't think Domingo Santana gets a chance to make errors in the outfield. That's that's my opinion. Then you got to play Reyes in the outfield. See that that's where I'm going with. It. You don't have to play Reyes in the outfield. You could, I, I mean, yeah, you get play him for five innings in the outfield and then put Bradley Zimmer out there. Who knows? Uh, true or false? Shane Bieber will lead the American <laughs> League in strike. I'm getting away from this one now because you guys are making it all personal. <laughs> Shane Bieber leads the American League in strikeouts. He was third last year. Can he do it this year? Oh, yeah, I'd say definitely. I think, I think he's got a legitimate chance to lead, uh, to lead the American League in strikeouts. This guy is ready. You know, he's, he was ready in spring training one. And I think he's ready again. I think he's ramped up. They've done a really great job preparing him, and he did a great job preparing himself over 
you know, the, uh, the lockdown, the two and a half, three month lockdown. Uh, Terry, to, to Hoinsey's point, Bieber has looked like he's been in midseason form since March. Uh, it, it, this is a good thing, right? Right. I had a top Indians official mention to me that Bieber looks like Kluber and Aaron Savali looks like a young Bieber. That's what they were telling me. Um, you know, if you were to kind of. Aaron Savali is actually Aaron Savali is actually older than Bieber, but go ahead. But in terms of where they are in their career, I think he's like twelve. It's kind of like one of those things where, um, you know, Clevenger is always older than you think. Yeah. Like yeah. I was surprised one time a couple of years ago. Somebody goes, "Well, you know, Clevenger's older than Bauer." Right. Well, spend five minutes talking to Clevenger, and you think he was born in the '60s. So, yeah, <laughs> age age means nothing when you're talking about. How did he ever go to the Citadel for a year? That's you know, what I want to know. And they had a <laughs> shaved head and all that. I was, hey, you, so you've seen the pictures of Mike Clevenger with the yeah. crew cut haircut? That's that, those did are have his that, cadet uniform on and oh, everything. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Mike Clevenger, uh, obviously the uh, one of the big question marks is is his uh, – mm-hmm. physically he's ready, uh, the, the knee is sound, but is he between the ears ready to, to trust that knee and sort of let it rip? Uh, we, we saw the progression in the last two outings, and, you know, he, he's still giving up home runs. Home runs in, in spring training or exhibition games don't mean anything, but uh, is, is, does Mike Clevenger concern you at all at this point? Well, I think Clevenger is okay, but I just don't think he's stretched out enough. And like you were saying, Joe, he, uh, you know, there's a little, I think there's still some, you know, a little uh, hesitation about his delivery and surgically repaired uh, left knee. And uh, I think that he'll benefit from having Plutko in, in the bullpen. You know, if he only goes five, Plutko can, can come in and, and bridge the gap to, to the late inning guys. Terry, uh, you know, your follow-up. Oh, yeah, Doug. You were going to jump in? No, no, no. Go ahead to Terry. Terry. I'm Clovenger. I basically said what I thought about him in terms of uh, just the physical issues that he's had over the last couple of years. I mean, otherwise, like, he's terrific when he pitches. And he's certainly going to want to uh, put up some good numbers. Remember, he's going up. He's one of those arbitration guys and that. So these guys are going to get their numbers. And they're very, they should be very motivated, even in 60 games you know, to put up whatever numbers they can to be projected out because uh, they want to get paid. Yeah, basically what he – he finally had a big payday and then uh, the season gets cut in half and his salary gets cut in half. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think, yeah, you're right, Terry. I think he would be motivated. Well, and to, to their point, Doug, is, is Clevenger even here next year after uh, – if he puts up a season of, you know, what he's capable of doing, he priced himself right out of the Indians market. I hate – I. We all hate these conversations, right? It's like, oh, you hope he's good, but if he's too good, he won't be here again. Like, if he stinks, oh, maybe that's good. Maybe his price will go down and he'll stick around longer. Um, I, I just, I think maybe with him, I mean, he was, he, he found it when he got back the last two, the last two months last year. Mm-hmm. With all this stuff with these guys, I don't know. I think Terry's focus on the normal baseball injuries is, is, some, is an imperative point to make. But I don't know with a guy like that, you know, if he didn't have to tax his body for as long, is this whole thing good for him? You know, or is it he hasn't been able to test it and now he's unsure of it? Like, I don't know which way this is going to go. But if you told me, you know what? I mean, this guy did have a, have a serious knee surgery. He has a better chance of getting through 60 games than he does of getting through 162. In the last two months last year, he was really good. If you get Mike, that Mike Clevenger, 
for these 60 games, my gosh, this, and, this rotation is, is really, really good. So I don't know why we wouldn't expect that, but you just don't know which way that all the injury stuff is going to go in the shortened season. And don't forget 40 of the 60 games and what is he going to get 10, 12 starts, something like that. Uh, a lot of those starts are going to come against AL central teams and Mike Clevenger. One thing we know about Mike Clevenger is he dominates the AL central, the Royals, the the Tigers and the, uh, uh, the, the White Sox to a degree. Uh, he, he has his most success against those teams. I think he's nine and lifetime against, against the Royals. So, that Saturday night, uh, second game of the season, uh, you pretty much chalk it up right now, right? <laughs> if uh, it was only that easy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, just a couple more quick uh, talking points to get through here before we wrap it up for our, our season preview podcast. Uh, the, uh, the first player summoned back to the Indians from Classic Park in Eastlake will be whom? And the first player shipped off to Eastlake will be whom? I guess there's a, a roster cut down. Uh, after the first two weeks, uh, we can speculate on that. But, uh, you know, if the Indians are in need of, of a bat or an arm, who's the first guy on the speed dial for Francona? Boy, that's a great question. Uh, I would think if Christian Arroyo doesn't make the club uh, as a utility guy, um, now I don't know how this works. He's out of options. So I don't know if that, that makes him, you know, what he – do they have to outright him? Do, they out, do, the, do the waiver things still in effect? Uh, but I think he would be a guy that they would call up, uh, one of the first guys that would get called up. Doug, Terry, anybody stand out to you as a, a first guy to sort of come back? I'll go with Cam Hill to come up. I think they're going to have bullpen problems. They're going to shuffle there. And who could go out? I don't know. Give me a name of reliever they could ship out. James Hoyt. There we go. I forgot about him. So that that works. Doug, I'm waiting for somebody to say Yu Chang. Doug, say Yu Chang. Uh, I've been trying to figure out if they're going to have a college football season or not, so I'm going to pass <laughs> on this question. Uh, well, but I will say this is the question that if we were having the real breakfast, the the people at the breakfast would have asked because they always want to know about minor leaguers. It's yeah, always like the first do. three questions are always about. <laughs> what minor leaguer is coming is coming up. So they would have been fascinated by who's coming up from the pod. Well, most of the minor leaguers who are out there in Eastlake are guys who are, you know, two to three years away anyhow. So uh, with the exception of a Daniel Johnson or maybe a, a George Valera, who's, you know, opened some eyes with his, his performance lately. Uh, but again, Valera's 19 years old. He's still got a couple. What about relievers? I'm very, I'm, I'm trying to, you could help me even as I prepare for the You know, season. Anthony goes if they needed a hard thrower, oh they could goodness. strike somebody out, but he's he's all over the place. <laughs> yeah, if they want to put five guys on base in an inning, sure, uh, Anthony <laughs> Ghost would be a great guy to bring up right now. You know, a guy that I know they liked, he came quick, you didn't hear much about him, um, is Kyle Nelson, the lefty reliever. Yeah. Uh, you know, who was Beaver's roommate. They're, they are very high on him. There we go, Doug. See, we're doing this just like if the, the fans are there. They like a Kyle Nelson. They love that answer. Meal. That's why I came equipped with those two names. I mean, I probably have no shot on either one of them, but they're my names. Cam Hill might make the team. I think there's oh, a chance yeah. he could make the team. good, you mean? Especially if they have 10 relievers, yeah. Yeah. There's a spot for them. All right, uh, just jumping back into this one. Uh, I got – I was going to save this to the very end, but obviously uh, time to bring it up now. We're, if we're recreating the breakfast scenario and the fans asking questions, 
they're always going to ask questions about Chief Wahoo and now the Indians' name change. So will 2020 be the final season the team plays baseball in Cleveland as the Indians? Terry. I, I'll, I'll Terry, say no yeah. because um, I wrote that it, they'll change the name in 2021, and I feel pretty good about that in terms of what I've been hearing. Just because it's very hard. They'll change it, in other words, for the 20, yeah, for the 22 season. The play this year is this, 2021 will be announced as the last year of the Indians. Guess what? Boy, could we sell stuff on that. And then 22 will be, I don't know. <laughs> Terry doesn't know. Uh, Hoinsey, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a pretty good uh, scenario by Terry. Uh, changing, you know, they announced it like, just like they did Chief Wahoo. You know, they announced it. This is the final year of Chief Wahoo will be in – 2021 and in 2022 they'll be the uh, Cleveland uh, Cleveland Walleyes. There you oh, go. That's my wife's name. <laughs> the uh, the you know, Roberta. Good. I got to wait till I tell her. She'll be very excited about that. <laughs> Doug. Doug looks like uh, Doug. If it if they choose a name anything other than the Spiders, are people going to revolt? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think they'll revolt. I mean, I think this is a really uh, – the, the, uh, the plan that Hoinsey and Terry outlined, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. You, you turn what is a very controversial thing into a potential positive. It's like a going out of business sale, buy all the stuff. You know, like they will make some cash off that. Um, I don't know. I'll be very curious how they handle it because I, I – do they want to get the fans very, very, very involved? You know, do they want to – how, how much do you want to have the people of Cleveland help determine what their team is going to be called? If you do it right, and I don't know what the right thing is, but guys like us, we don't have to know what the right thing is. We can just tell them when they're wrong. But if you do it right, it's an opportunity, right? I mean, it's, it's – we, we acknowledge we have a great history here, but we're moving forward. We understand why we're, why we're moving forward. And now who are we going to be? Let's talk about it. Let's say goodbye to the, to the Indians and talk about it all year. I don't know if you have a contest. Do you whittle things down? Do you have a bracket? Do you have a top? I, I, I don't know, right? I mean, that's what they used to do 100 years ago. They'd have – No, 100 years ago they asked sports writers and the guys in the press box well, smoking their cigarettes put... and drinking whiskey, they, so they're think... the ones that picked it. Well, then, all right, then Paul Hoynes and Terry Pluto get to there rename the Cleveland <laughs> baseball franchise. And well, the other, you, know, you can also use the Russian election way. No. You, know, you have everybody give out, you know, all their input and all this kind of stuff, and then you come out with the name you wanted to in the beginning. <laughs> right, yeah, coincidentally. Say, boy, exactly. we have a lot of support for this. Our internal data. <laughs> That's exactly I mean, I, what's going to happen. I, you open up to a bracket situation, and you're going to have jokesters and Twitter guys, you know, stuffing ballots, and it, it will not be legitimate. The, the thing I, I like is that – the thing I like is that they both they hang on to the copyrights of Chief Wahoo and the Indians, and no matter what they name them, they keep selling all that that yeah. that merchandise as well. But but they have a legitimate reason for doing that because if they give the copyright up, then you're going to see Chief Wahoo on toothbrushes, you know, mm-hmm. and and all yeah. sorts of crazy stuff, and that's even more offensive than if they had kept selling jerseys with his his image on there. So. Uh, I, I can I can definitely see why they do that, and uh, that argument sort of falls off on the side when, well, oh well, they're, they're still selling cheap Wahoo. Well, yeah, if they don't, then you, you're going to get even more outrageous stuff down the line. Uh, all right, well, the sort of the, the one of the big questions heading into this season, what it was going to be like. Every one of these players has been asked. Every one of these managers has been asked. 
what it's going to be like playing in an empty ballpark with this artificially produced atmosphere, uh, stadium crowd noise being generated in, uh, seats being covered by uh, advertisements, you know, flow from progressive or from giant face out in left field bleachers. Now uh, we, we get to hear eerie noises like the Jose, Jose, Jose chant when Ramirez steps up to the plate and John Adams has a phantom drum that's banging somewhere in the ballpark. Uh, the fireworks sound twice as loud. Hoinsey almost, uh, you know, <laughs> lost his marbles the other night when the, the fireworks guy uh, set I off. Almost the, had a heart attack. Jeez. Well, I didn't want. I didn't want to say that. You can say that. I didn't want to say Paul almost had a heart attack. You know, knock on wood here. But uh, you know, what's what sort of are you looking for? The sort of the the strange, the weird, as we open up this season. Uh, Thursday night with the Yankees and the Nationals watching these games on TV as the only way these fans are going to get to see them. You know, I'm going to look for some random fans like hanging out of the outside the gate at uh, behind the uh, home run porch at Progressive Field, or those guys that uh, climbed up on the top of the parking garage the one for the one uh, inner squad game and we're banging on the side of the garage when uh, Ramirez came up to the plate you could hear him saying Jose 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 all that I I think there's going to be some weird stuff like that Terry what do you think I have I have no idea how's that I basically since these guys are like you know playing catcher in their garage and throwing balls against the wall by themselves. I don't think the fact that they don't have a ton of fans at this point, they'll take what they could get and they just have to make it into an interesting TV show. And I'm along those lines that, you know, if the Indians have a really good 60 games and get in the playoffs and do some stuff where they're the center of attention, because, you know, right away now the Browns, I don't know when we're going to quote unquote, see them uh, with the preseason's gone and that the door's wide open for them to capture the imagination, at least for a couple of months, of the local sports fans. All right. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give Doug the, uh, the last word here. I, I just want to jump in. The thing that's going to be weirdest for me, sitting in that press box, when, uh, you know, Lindor hits one uh, deep to right field, and all of a sudden you hear Hammy yelling from the booth, swinging a drive, and you can hear it like he's sitting <laughs> next to you. That, that'll be the weirdest thing because normally we don't really hear that during a game when there's enough crowd noise to, to sort of drown it out. But I, I, I sort of jumped the first couple of times I heard it in inter-squad games. Uh, and, yeah, I, Hammy and his voice projecting and the players being able to hear that, that's going to be really weird for me to, to sort of process and deal with. Doug, uh, Doug what's the, the top number one weird thing that you're going to see? Well, I, I'm, I'm just curious to see – what everybody thinks of it, I'm, uh, regardless of what the weird things are, how people react to it. Because again, you know, we're all experiencing this with the virus in a lot of ways. It's an opportunity. You, don't, you wouldn't pick it, but I think we've all felt like all sports have become TV shows, first and foremost. We know that. I mean, that's, that's how it works. So is it a TV show? Is it just a TV show? Or is it really, really, really important to have people there live in the stands and that players realize that? Maybe fans realize it again. Man, I really want to get out there. If it's just a TV show and they figure that out, then maybe broadcasts in all sports get even better as a result of this because you have to be creative. And if it's not just a TV show, if the people in the stands really matter to the fabric of the game, maybe this is a reminder of that. Maybe, maybe more people will go to Indians games next year because they miss it. You know, maybe, maybe owners 
won't take fans for granted. I don't know. So I'm just, I, I, I really want to see once we get into it, what players think of it, what the, the people that run the game think of it, what the TV broadcasters think of it and what everybody decides the role of fans really is these days. Doug, going deep with the final thoughts of the, uh, of the podcast. I, I, I really enjoy this. Uh, fellas, we're, we're ready to go. All the, everything pretty much that we can write to sort of preview it and get ready for it has been written and said. Uh, the, the next best thing to do now is just wait, uh, wait for Friday night and just go out there and do it and, and see how it goes. Uh, I hope we get through a 60-game season and playoffs. I hope uh, everything, you know, goes according to plan and everybody stays healthy and, and able to do their jobs. Uh, uh, I appreciate you guys for, for coming on the, the podcast and, and sharing your thoughts and, and giving us a look. Uh, one more time around the room, uh, uh, Doug, what are, your, what are your hopes for 2020? Uh, Indians win a hundred games. Can I say that? <laughs> you know what? It, it, it's funny. Um, I just hope the Indians best players play their best because this has been hard. we all we, all anybody talks about is, is how many games Francisco Lindor has left in an Indians uniform and, and man, that guy. Right. right. And, and again, here we are, you know, we're already talking about what if Mike Clevenger is awesome and leaves. I mean, they just, again, they have some really special guys. And I hope we get to see Shane Bieber at his best. I hope we get to see Francisco Lindor at his best. And I hope whatever the window is for the Indians, if there's an opportunity here, and again, I, who knows, right? Who knows what, the, who, what kind of team this is going to favor or not favor. With the rotation they have, and a couple guys who are just capable of catching fire over periods of time, man, it just feels like maybe this is like right in their wheelhouse for this to work out. So if Francisco Lindor comes out and looks like the MVP from the get-go and Shane Bieber looks like the Cy Young Award winner, this could be a really fun 60 games. Terry, your thoughts? 37 and 23. They win the division. Hawaii said gets to cover – um, World Series on Zoom. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and they win, they win the World Series, and we'll all just be watching it on little boxes on our computer. Paul, oh, that can't be the I, way I do goes. feel Thanks. very – I mean, it's, it's so weird. I feel like that's what happens. The Indians win in, like, the weirdest year. It, it's not outside the realm of possibilities. Paul, last word. Yeah, I, I just hope – uh, just the Indians and every team in, in MLB gets through this without anybody getting seriously ill. Because if, if one person gets seriously ill, I think, um, was it worth it? Was it worth it to play 60, 60 games like this crazy schedule? I, I just really, really hope that this thing works and everybody gets through it healthy. Well, the first step in finding out if it's all worth it uh, begins Friday night for the Indians against the Royals. We'll be here to follow it all season long here on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Thanks for joining us for our season preview, and we'll talk to you next time.